This is Pastor Joseph Davis. Thank you for joining the radio ministry of Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. We believe the Word of God is the lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. This Word will bless you right now. Grieving with grace. Grieving with grace. Put in the ti- timeline, grieving with grace. Grieving with grace. Grieving. I believe the Lord's going to allow me anointedly to articulate my heart here tonight for our church and for many of you who are dealing with loss um, right now, all right, or will deal with loss in the future. And I believe what I'll say here tonight will be hopefully something that you can save, link this uh, this link and put in your favors and maybe refer to it in the future. Because I believe I'm going to give you something to hold on to. All right. Grieving with grace. Now, where did this term grieving with grace come from? It came from pain. It came from pain. Our church went through a major um, uh, lesson of unity and togetherness um, several years ago. Great members of our church were still with us. Um, the Sims family um, shockingly lost, lost their uh, their wonderful son, Jermaine Jr., who passed away. Um, passed away. And on that Sunday morning, I received a call um, of Jermaine Jr. going on to heaven. Um, suddenly without any type of warning, no notice of sickness or anything of that nature. Imagine the pain of the family, um, Elder Sims and Minister Janetta Sims, the boys, the family. Many of you, many of you who are part of our church during that time while we're on Petty Drive. Can they remember those very moments? And today um, we still unite and walk together because we know that we still grieve. Um, occasionally and frequently, even in the midst of the day, dealing with shock and sudden losses. But this is where this phrase and this title came from. In that moment, God gave me that phrase, grieving with grace. What do you do when loss happens in our lives? We don't know what to do. We're shocked. We don't know where we're going to go, depending on what relationship we have with that person, what impacts it brings to our lives. Uh, what does it mean for us? All the things we were waiting on, anticipating to happen in life with that person, the journeys we will happen, hoping to experience with those person all of a sudden because of a sovereign moment beyond our reach, beyond us, our knowledge happened in our lives. And so although I'm mentioning specific scenarios here, I want you to be able to relate it to your family, your circumstances and people you're going through. And how God wants us to grieve with grace. And I'll tell you, there's a real challenge upon us, especially as believers. And I'm going to specifically tonight, specifically tonight, talk to you all as believers. Okay? Because that's what I must do as a man servant of God. Share and teach from a biblical perspective on grieving. So please tonight, bear with me. Don't get upset. I know your pain is real. Our pain is real. Your pain is real. But God has something to say even when we grieve. And I think it's important that you will open up your heart, open up your mind, and allow God to teach you how to grieve even in a difficult moment. 
One of the toughest things to do is teach people under pressure. When people are under pressure, they're not as uh, stable emotionally. They are not as focused. Normally, they want to quit. They want to throw in the towel. They want to be embraced. So I'm going to do that through my words, embrace you. But they really um, have a tough time with sometimes being taught or trained when they are grieving. And I want you to please, through the love of Jesus Christ, if you're grieving now or listening to this at some other time, allow me to share this with you so that you can grieve with grace. All right. Because God does want us to grieve. I said God wants us to grieve. Put it in the timeline. We got to teach this because sometimes we have not properly taught people the things of God. And now the emotional realm, the psychological realm and other aspects of our being become stuck because we don't grieve properly or don't grieve at all. I've been teaching our church um, that we are more than just spiritual beings. We are more than just spiritual beings. The Bible says we have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. Because we have a spirit, soul, and a body, that means that we are spiritual, we are sensual, all right? S-E-N-S-U-A-L, sensual, meaning in the, in the dominion of our senses, and then in the minute of our body, we are sexual. God did all of it. God, I said God did all of it. To make us a living being, we had more than a spirit. We, had, we also had a soul. To make us a living being, we more than had a spirit and a soul. We had a body. All of this coming together makes us a living being. And when any of those factors get out of sync, we don't become the full expression of what God wants us to be, all right? And so I want you to know God wants us to grieve. Put it in the timeline. God wants us to grieve. I said God wants us to grieve. There are some people think they don't need to grieve. It's not right to grieve. I can't do a deep dive tonight, but when you study biblical patterns, God actually told Israel to grieve for the loss of Moses. Meaning, you need to recount all the memories of what Moses did as a leader, his sacrifice, his love, maybe his words of encouragement to you as a people of God. And God actually created a space of time so that Israel could grieve the loss of their leader. And having a moment and a time to grieve is a godly thing. We think we need to just rush off and ignore the real process of our soul shedding the pain, shedding the connection, shedding um, the, the, the anticipation that we were waiting for this to happen. Maybe you had a trip planned, and because now that person is there, the trip is canceled. All of those things, the soul needs a moment to even understand a spiritual truth. The soul needs a moment to grieve, to catch up with a spiritual truth. And then if you don't grieve properly, the body will bear the pain and anxieties. And then you're not able to sleep. And then you're not able to function. And then you're not able to build other relationships. And other things in your life 
gets more out of sync or on hold because you have not properly allowed yourself to grieve. So without a shadow of a doubt, it's a God thing. I know it sounds strange. I know that sounds strange, but when things happen, it is a God thing to grieve. I said it is a God when things occur. That's why I told you we have a, a different spirit. Sometimes we only want to talk like we're all spiritual. And this is not true. You are not all a spiritual being. You have a real soul. Our five senses are, are some of the main faculties that operate into our soulless realm. Even our mind is connected to our senses. And that's how signals are done. All of this is God. All of this is God. Physiology. All of this is God. Anatomy. All of this is God. Okay. And so God allows us to grieve. He allowed Israel to grieve before Joshua came into leadership. The hope was that the spirit will shed the pain. They will get themselves ready for new life and for a new journey with a new leader, which was Joshua. And God, God even goes to Joshua and sort of shakes him out of grief and says to him, allow me to teach without putting these scriptures up. I do have some scriptures, but allow me to teach this. God says to uh, the word of the Lord comes to Joshua and says, Joshua, arise. For my servant Moses is dead. He says, listen, he has passed away. I've allowed you to grieve. And God tells Joshua, you must move on. There was a sanctified, and I want to use the word sanctified, which means set apart, cleansed. God gave them that moment, a sanctified, it's God ordained. God gave them a sanctified, it's God ordained. A space of time to grieve. And then God himself, says, Joshua, there are still other things to accomplish. You must move on. It don't mean you're not going to have memories, but you got to learn how to still move with memories. You still got to have to move with missing people. He says, he said, my servant, even God takes a sense, even the way the scripture reads, God takes a sense of missing Moses. Lord have mercy. I, I'm just I'm just preaching in the spirit. I, I, but go look it up. Go look it up. Uh, uh, go look it up. Well, right, right when we go into the book of Joshua, go look it up. Hey, God takes coming out of coming <clears throat> coming out of Exodus, Genesis coming out of Exodus, going into coming out of Genesis, going into uh, Joshua. All right, as you're going into it, as you're going into Joshua, watch the, the transition from one chapter to the next. All right, get my chapters mixed up. One chapter to the next, and God says, "My servant Moses." Meaning God says, I miss Moses too. God says, my servant Moses is dead. My servant, the one I missed, the one who I, I called and raised up and told him what he could do and brought him through many perils and many storms. My servant is dead. So God even shows a sense of sensitivity. But God also says, I must push you forward, all right? So I wanted you to understand that grieving is God-ordained. We must not try to prevent the grieving process. We must not try to prevent the grieving process. We must gracefully approach the grieving process, okay? And I want you to understand that. I also want you to understand this. <clears throat> and before I even go into some scriptures, I want you to even understand as it relates to even Prophet Kofi, I'll share this with you all. Even the funeral services are coming up on April 1st for those specifically to, to Prophet Kofi Hemingway, April 1st at 
um, the New Enrichment Center here in Tallahassee. I'm asking everyone who knows them, all of our church, we're going to be there serving in excellence, this family, um, and we're going to celebrate his life. And I mean that. We're going to celebrate what he meant God allowed him to be into our lives. But I want you to know that we had some very unique moments right before he passed away. Now that he has passed, I can look at our last time talking as a farewell to me. I can look at it as a farewell. Those who were in our service on that Sunday, now two Sundays ago, not this Sunday past, but the previous Sunday, right in the midst of when I was getting up to talk, the anointing came in. We had a moment to pray. I want to show you something. Those who were there, I didn't get you my, our church this update, but I'm going to tell you something right now. In that moment while we're up, I asked Sister Sarah Craig to sing, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. All right. Because He Lives, All My Fears Are Gone. And she began to just sing and we began to worship. And God gave us a moment. In that moment, I began to share about a family here in Tallahassee who there, a man was driving and had his 15-year-old daughter in the car. And right off Crump Road in Tallahassee, um, trees came down through a, through a, a sudden storm that kind of came through the backside of Tallahassee. And in that situation, um, the, the, the trees came down and the 15-year-old daughter passed away as a result of it. And I kept looking for an update on who was this family. I was burdened by it. The next day I was online looking up on TPD on the sheriff's site to see who was this family. I mentioned it in Sunday service to you all. I don't know who this family is, but I've been burdened by it. And we prayed together for this family truth gathers. Well, right after service, somebody came to me and told me they knew the family. When they told and told Pastor Robin, we knew the family. Well, guess what? We knew the family. Pastor Robin and I personally know the family, know them well. We were crushed, had no idea the people we were praying for, the people we were burdened for, the people we interceded for, truth gathers on that Sunday morning. We knew them, right? And even if you don't know people, it just shows you about the sensitivity of entering someone else's struggle, someone else's pain. And we pray for that family who are, who are believers, they are believers. We know them. The grandmother of, of the young lady who passed away goes to prayer temple, church in God in Christ. We know them. They're believers. And so there we, we see uh, th that life even happens for believers. We cannot create a facade about living for God. That means we're going to be exempt from everything in life. I believe in preaching the gospel. I even told our church faith does not make things guaranteed. We've not taught scripture properly. Faith makes things possible. That's scripture. For with men, things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Faith doesn't make things guaranteed. Many times you and I have had faith for things, prayed about things, but God in his sovereignty did not answer our prayer. That didn't mean we didn't have faith. But faith didn't make it possible, but it doesn't make it guaranteed. And we have taught uh, erroneous gospel and we have made people believe that faith makes everything guaranteed. But no faith brings us into the realm of possibilities that what only God can do can can happen.
And if we don't teach faith properly to believers, then believers become hurt by God when God has a sovereign act of his will. Because believers start to think that our faith means God going to do everything we pray. Is this a sign that we should not pray? Absolutely not. Let me give you more scripture to give you context. God had told David because of his sin that the child that he had and begotten with Bathsheba through adultery, he had told him that the child would die through the prophet. David said, no, I know you are God of mercy. I know you are God that will turn things around. I know you are God that will hear our prayer. And so what David did is went into a fast and he began to seek the Lord and begin to pray saying, God, please don't allow my sin to come upon this child. Turn this thing around. It was nothing wrong with his prayer life. It was nothing wrong with his prayer. It was nothing wrong with his faith. But God sovereignly said no. And this innocent child passed away. What did David do? His men thought that David was going to commit suicide. They thought he was going to be a maniac. He, they thought he was going to lose his mind. And I de declare, decree and declare that whatever you have lost, you will not lose your mind. You may have lost things close to you, connected to you, loved ones, but you will not lose your mind. They thought David was going to lose his mind and his men and servants were going to surround him. And David said, I'm not losing my mind. He washed his face and the Bible said he changed his clothes and went into worship, meaning God sovereignly decided not to answer my prayer. There was nothing wrong with my faith. There was nothing wrong with it because the enemy will come believers and torment you for what you didn't do right, what you could have done. And all these other things will plague your mind and the enemy will come and play with your mind and tell you you're at fault. But God is great and God is sovereign and we must believe in the sovereignty of God even when it shocks us that's what they told that's what David said David said no I prayed but God decided not to answer my prayer there are people right now mad with God over a sovereign act mad with God they even use phrases we know God is sovereign but they use phrases God took my mama God took my daddy and the phrase itself makes it seem like God is not a good God that God is not a gracious and loving God that God is a a a a a, a painstaking God God looking to hurt you, looking to bring uh, pain to your life. No, pain is a part of the soul. Pain is a part of living. Pain is a sign of life because once you have no pain, it's a sign that you are not living. Right. And so pain happens because life happens. We, 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 we and I know I'm teaching uh, in, a, in a moment where we all are grieving, but, I, but, but there's some misconceptions here. There's some incorrect knowledge and incorrect knowledge. The enemy uses it to, to manipulate our emotions and, and manipulate the love of God. There are people who won't go to church. There are people who won't worship. There are people who won't come back to God because they're still mad about the sovereign act of God. They're saying somebody hadn't corrected them in love. Somebody hadn't told them that God is sovereign and what he does in our lives. And, and now God has a bad reputation in their mind and, and they won't worship. And they're still mad with God every other year. They're still mad about what God has done sovereignly. 
sovereignly that he's still a sovereign God and he knows a bigger picture more than us. And yes, it hurts and the pain hurts, but there are people who are listening tonight who are mad with God and God's trying to help you come back into a loving relationship with him. I know some things are happening and some of you are confused about why it happened to me and how it happened. I understand. I bear the pain with you, but I want you to know there's a loving God. He is a sovereign God. And yes, I must admit, his ways are above our ways. Even in the situation that I'm talking about, Prophet Kofi Hemingway and this family that I talked about um, in our service and we prayed for. And they told me, hey, you know this family. And my wife and I were very sad that Sunday. But that same Sunday, that same Sunday, uh, a week, a week ago, Sunday, that same Sunday, when we pray for that family and after church is the same Sunday I ministered to Prophet Kofi. I gave him a word of the Lord. I was surprised about the word of the Lord that I gave Prophet Kofi. I'm just talking to you about the sovereignty for a minute. I was surprised. First of all, Prophet Kofi and I were together on a ministry assignment on Saturday night. Prophet Kofi and I, Apostle Lee and I, and we were doing a special session with a great man of God in our city, doing some things to restore him and build him up. And we met and we prayed and we loved on him and prophesied to him. It was Prophet Kofi. It was Apostle Lee Lyons and I. All right. And there was no clear sign that night that anything was going to happen. And even uh, in the book of Kings, I've been teaching from it, how God will even hide things from his prophets. So even prophets can't even act as if God tells you everything. The Bible gives a story of a Shunammite a Shunammite woman where her son had died. God prophesied through the prophet that she'll have a son. Then that same thing God prophesied passed away. She never came to the prophet and immediately told him that the son had died. Neither did God tell him. He did not know at all until the woman beckoned him to come to her house and say, go in the room where he lay. God hides things from us. And so there are men and women of God who get stuck in grief and somehow the enemy start making you think because you are the man and woman of God that God's going to tell you everything. I'm going to tell you tonight, lovingly brother and sister, God doesn't tell you everything. Even when we prophesy, we prophesy in part. God doesn't tell you everything. God doesn't tell me everything. There's no man and woman on this earth who is so holy, so righteous, so acute in the gift and the ministry gifts and spiritual things that God is obligated to tell you everything. God still reserves things for himself. He still hides things to see if we'll trust him. He's sovereign. He'll do things to see if we still love him. He'll shock us like never before to see if we're going to consider him wrong and count it against him. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He's not human. He's supernatural and he's holy and there is no unholiness in our God. Even when we can't trace him, even when we don't understand him, he is holy and there is no man and no woman of God. So we have to get over ourselves. Because we, this complex men and women of God, uh, that God tells us everything. God does not tell you everything. He reserves things for himself. And we got to get out of this complex that God tells us everything. I was with Prophet Kofi. I was with Apostle Lee Lyons in the room Saturday night ministering. God didn't tell me a thing. 
didn't tell us a thing. We minister, serve this man of God. God didn't tell us a thing Sunday morning. I told you the story that happened. God gave us a, mo a moment. We worship, we pray for that family. <laughs> that Sunday morning, I also gave him a word of the Lord that I thought was strange because I was with Prophet Kofi on Saturday night. So why would God speak into my ear? God spit, spoke into my ear and said, Kofi. I heard it clear as day. He said, Kofi. And I said, okay. And I looked at him and a word of the Lord came to me. I don't can't remember verbatim, but it's on our page towards my altar call. And I told Prophet Kofi, he had been through ups and downs, pain and situation, disappointments, but the Lord was going to give him peace. And I said, and there's a shift coming. And that's about all I said. I was shocked about it. Number one, I normally don't prophesy to friends and covenant brothers and sisters that I normally talk to. I have a crew of brothers and sisters that I normally talk to. And normally when we speak to each other, if we got a prophetic word to each other, we minister to each other in the confines of our covenant relationship. I don't necessarily come to church on a Sunday morning and prophesy to my wife. That would be a very unique thing. Why? Because I live with her. We have a communal relationship that if I really have a word of the Lord, why well, I'm waiting till Sunday morning. So I found it strange that God told me to give a word of the Lord to him. I obeyed the Lord. Logically, my mind was saying, God, what is this? I obeyed it. The moment went, we moved on with our service. After service on Sunday, after greeting everybody, our visitors, all of that, I ministered that Sunday. I was a little exhausted. My virtue was gone. Prophet Kofi was waiting for me. He was waiting for me. Everybody in the church was gone. The church was empty. Prophet Kofi waited for me. And when he came to me, he began to, and I said, hey man. And he began to encourage me. And I'm like, dude, quit. We, man, you, we can talk anytime. What do you, man, I appreciate you. And he just talked. And just talk. And I kept waiting for a punchline. Like, what's going on? It was a different talk. Because I'm like, bro, man, I appreciate you. He was, man, I really appreciate your ministry and all that kind of stuff. And I'm saying, man, okay, bro. Love you, man. So you got to understand, not only was Prophet Kofi a member of our church before he transitioned to Jacksonville under Apostle Dewan, <coughs> excuse me, Apostle Dewan Rollison. Before he transitioned over there, he was a member of our church. But even though he transitioned as membership, one of the things that I want to say here clearly is God has taught us how to love people regardless of the church that they go to. Even when transition happened in church membership, as long as you ain't been lying and doing no foolishness and we ain't had to rebuke you, to God be sovereign in where he transitioned you. So we've never had a problem in our relationship, ever, because the love of God is there. So he was always connected, always loved our church, always did. So, and there you go, Joshua Rivers. Still, he was a he was a member of our church while he was here getting his master's degree. Now he's in Valdosta with his brother serving. He'll be back in the middle of April to do a concert at our church. Covenant. We don't get mad about when people shift churches. That's cottage. We don't own folks. We serve and walk through journeys and destinies and seasons with people as God gives us wisdom how to walk with people. We don't own nobody. The people belong to the Lord and the gifts belong to the people. That's how it goes. The Bible says, and he gave them pastors. So the gifts belong to the people. So we got to sacrifice and serve. That's another lesson. Let me leave that alone. All right. Anyway. So again, I didn't feel like, I'm like, why are you talking to me, dude? And because we are close, it is 
highly possible that he can come to my house. So after he told me all of this kind of stuff, I was like, okay, brother, go for bed, you're cool. And then he said, I really thank you for taking the time to listen to me and talk to me. Never said that. I'm like, we've talked all the time. No big thing, this is what we do. This ain't no big thing, I don't need no celebration that you telling me. I'm like, man, chill out, go somewhere, man. What are you talking about? Matter of fact, I said, man, come to the house. Cause I'm like, you wanna talk, just come to the house. He said, where's my mom's birthday? And I wanna go back home and celebrate the rest of her birthday weekend. But my wife is coming to church on next Sunday. And the girls, I said, we're doing dinner. It's a done deal. I walked, went home already in pain from what I heard about the family member I knew. But I told Pastor Robin, baby, we're doing dinner with Prophet Kofi and his lovely wife and the children next week. So put it on the plans, you know, because I kind of act funny at the church. I have to tell Pastor Robin that kind of stuff in advance. I kind of act funny at the church. This is our relationship, but I act kind of funny at the church. When I'm ready to go do something, I'll be like ready to go. And as much as I love the people, be honest, in our church, Pastor Robin really loved the linger and fellowship with all the people at the church. I don't. I love y'all. See y'all later. I preached. I ministered. I done came out of this virtue. I've done what God told me to do, hugging you, and I'm gone. I really want to stick around in fellowship. And I know I love God's people. It's just the way that I'm wrapped. All right? So most of the time, I just want to leave. And if I stay too long, sometimes I start cutting the food. For those who know me, I like to laugh. And sometimes you're coming straight out the spirit. You don't need to get into the flesh. And I know me, I'll start cutting up and all that kind of stuff. So I try to go. No, Pastor Robin talking about me. No, Pastor Robin like to sit around. Pastor Robin like to sit on a pew. A whole family like that. Her, her mom and dad are pastors. They pastor for years. You go to her parents' church. After benediction, they sit on a pew. I'm like, let's go. It's time to eat. We don't have church. Anyway, some of y'all the same way. It's okay. But I was ready to go. All right. And so I told Pastor Robin in advance so she can kind of get herself ready. <laughs> so we get herself and she can leave and she can get ready so we can go. And that's what I was planning to do on this past Sunday. But sovereignly, God knew that something was occurring in the life of Prophet Kofi. I didn't know. Maybe Prophet Kofi even knew. But I didn't know. I was shocked to hear the news and be called. But I'm telling you, God is sovereign. God is sovereign and God will teach us how to grieve with grace. I want to give you that so you can potentially have some other perspective about some things that I was sharing. I was close up on about what it's like to grieve with grace. I want to give you some final things here tonight on what it's like to grieve with grace. This was my opening for those who know me well. No, I have a very strong, strong um, opening. That was it. But once I finished my opening and laid a foundation, the rest of it just kind of falls in place. All right. The rest of it type falls in place. I'm going to 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. All right. This is 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. Y'all hang with me. If you're just getting here, go ahead and share. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Mary. All right. I have a super introduction. And if you know me well, I may not even get past my introduction when I preach. I may be stuck on it for 30, 45 minutes. All right, like tonight. <laughs> All right, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 18. Here is the essence of what it is to grieve with grace. It's on the screen for you. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 18. It says, brothers and sisters, family, family. We are family, brothers and sisters. We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. So that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind. 
who have no hope. Now pay attention to scripture. I told you earlier that many times it's tough to teach when people are going through. Please allow me to teach this gospel in the midst of a tough time. It says we don't grieve like the rest of mankind. We are believers who have no hope, meaning although we're going through, we still have hope. Put in the timeline, I still have hope. All hope is not gone. All right, even with the passing of a loved one, all hope is not gone. The enemy will come and tell you you have no hope. The enemy will come even trying to make you quit life because many times when a person passes away with the connection you have with them, if you're not careful, you will die too. When they pass away, if you're not careful to fight for life, to fight to get up in the morning, to fight, to fight through the emotions, to fight that I can live uh, knowing that they're gone. Fight, fight through that, fight to get back to work, fight to function, fight. If you don't fight through, the enemy will pull the hope out of you. But I'm telling you, you are a believer and you still have hope. You still have hope. You still have hope. All right. I want to go back to my scripture. You still have hope. Put into that. You still, I know you're going to be in pain. I'm not trying to act like you're not going to be in pain, but you're going to be in pain with hope. You're going to grieve with grace. All right. You're going to grieve with grace. It says verse 14, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. It's our belief system that gets us to having hope. We got to have a belief system that revives us. We got to have a belief system that makes us put one foot in front of the other. We got to have a belief system that makes us face the toughest things in life. I do not come tonight to make it seem easy, but our belief system will pull us through. What we believe means everything. It says, it says we believe, all right, because we believe. Come on, go back to the scripture for me. All right, they're helping me in the background. I appreciate you, Prophet Bethany. Well, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring Jesus, God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So listen, when God does this thing for the rapture, he's going to bring Jesus, the Redeemer, with those who are falling asleep. So Jesus is coming to give a sign that they are my children. I am their redeemer. All right. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede them who are falling asleep. Meaning this is the great rapture. What's going to happen all at one time. All right. All at one time. And then that, that last part of that verse tells us to encourage those. I'm going to go right to that last verse. That last verse says, let me give you that last, that, that last verse. Y'all hold tight. Hold tight. That last part, um, verse 18, it talks about how we're going to be caught up together to meet him in the air. This great rapture, this great meeting together. Although we miss our brothers and our sisters, they're going to be a coming together again because of our belief system. All right. And I want to say this, this is what God told me. He challenged me in this season. He, he said, don't you dare build a people don't, that don't believe in heaven. He said, I got enough people. 
people dancing, shouting, but don't believe in heaven. We have lost our taste for the glorious afterlife. And I have to say this, we got to start remembering heaven. As a matter of fact, God told me in this season, he said, pastor, it's time for you to go back to singing heaven songs because only destiny we think about is the destiny of a new car, the destiny of a spouse, the destiny of a new job or a mansion, the destiny of places we can go. And we thank God for material things, but there's a destiny above all places. Come on. The Bible says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What it's trying to say, there is no greater destiny than the destiny of heaven. And God told me in this season, we got to put heaven back into our view. We got to start singing about heaven again. We've got so caught up in the world. We get so caught up on material things that heaven has lost our left our mouths and God is trying to bring us back to remember when all these great riches and the wealth and land come on I don't want to be broke while I'm here but it don't trump the glorious place where my soul will live forever and he said the church has left heaven leaving their mouths and we've forgotten the eternal destiny we've got caught up in temporary destiny things where moth does corrupt, corrupt and things that do go away and things that are temporary and we're missing we're missing our eternal destiny and God said now pastor I need you to teach them more about heaven yeah and I started to sing if those were there a Sunday ago I got up and I stopped talking about I woke up this morning singing about heaven that's what I said on the Sunday ago I woke up this morning singing about heaven, not knowing what was going to occur. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? And we have talked and prophesied all types of great destiny to people, but I'm afraid the body of Christ is losing the goal of heaven. Come on, some of y'all, I don't necessarily be a person that talking about, let's go back to the old landmark. No, let's move forward with God, but we can't remember what God desires. And I believe that we have lost heaven in our view. I know know it. I know I'm teaching you under tough circumstances, but come on. Some of you grew up in church. What the saints got excited. They got joyous to think about heaven. Oh, I want to go. I want to go where Jesus is. Oh, don't you want to go? I want to go where we have lost the eternal view of heaven. That's why we stay in anger too long. That's why we don't forgive our brothers as quickly. That's why all get easily caught up in our soul because we lose, lose the view of heaven because when heaven's on your mind you don't want Jesus to come with anything not undone come on somebody we were to see let us work while it is day because when night comes no man can work come on saints we got to get heaven back into our minds I know I'm preaching while we're grieving I know I'm preaching while you're in pain I know I am but God is telling me we got to get heaven this is what the scripture says in first Thessalonians let me go back to it. Let me go back to it. It says this great rapture is going, going to happen. But verse 18, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 18 says, listen, therefore, encourage one another with these words. What words? These words that we're going to go to heaven. So I want you to understand if I got a real point, number one, I told you I got this long intro. My, 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 I told you grieving with grace, but here's the point. Number one about grieving with grace is the understanding we grieve 
differently. Put it in the timeline. It ain't that we don't grieve, but we grieve differently. When we grieve, tears come down our face, but we rejoice over heaven. We rejoice over God's sovereignty. We're just saying, God, I don't understand. We grieve, but we grieve differently. I know I'm pushing you this morning to today, but it says, but because of our belief system, we know that Jesus will return. And it says for us to encourage one another with these words. All right. Come on. Hang with me. Hang with me. Hang with me. I got two more points and I think I can sum it up. All right. Got two more points, but that, that was the main point. I'm a three point preacher tonight. I guess I'm going to give many points, but I'm a three point preacher. We grieve differently. All right. But the second part is we grieve. Number two, we grieve in his presence. We do grieve, but where do we grieve? Where do we grieve? We grieve in his presence. Put it on your timeline. Put it in the comments. Excuse me for sweating profusely here. We grieve. I got a towel here. Excuse me. I'm going to make it look good for social media. Ooh, that pastor was sweating. You know, sometimes sweaty preachers don't look good on social media. And I can do a little something. No, it's still here. I can get this thing together. No, I ain't going to tell you it may not look like this in the next five minutes, but we're going to tap it up. All right. Right. We grieve differently, but we grieve in his presence. The Bible tells us in his presence, there is a fullness of joy. So the challenge of when we're going through grief is to bring our bodies. Remember, I taught you about spirit, soul and body. You got to bring your body under subjection. You got to bring your soul and say, soul, you're going to worship. And even while tears are in your eyes, you lift your hands. We grieve in his presence. We don't just grieve uh, differently, but we grieve in his presence. I want to give you first Samuel 30. Our church knows about the magnitude of first Samuel 30. God has allowed me to teach almost 15 to 20 messages from first Samuel 30. I preached it for the last five years years on and off. It's been an assignment from God. First Samuel 30 says David was raided at, get at Ziglag. The people's thought of stoning David. Some of y'all know this, especially truth gathers. You ought to know it. All right. First Samuel, it said the people's thought about stoning him. I want you to understand the context. David was grieving with the people. Why? Because he lost his two wives and his children. So it wasn't like David wasn't grieving as well. David was grieving with the people. But there's something about unresolved grief. Grief turns to resentment. Then it turns to anger. Then it turns to bitterness. That's why God wants you to grieve because unresolved grief only festers. It owns a monster. All night long, so did David. And they went into bitterness so much so that they was ready to kill David. Now think about this. Before Ziglag, David was the greatest leader. They were thanking leader. David had all types of trophies, so to speak, of the war, of the battles he had won and the champion warrior he was. But because of Ziglag, because of this letdown, because of this misstep, and, and 1 Samuel 30 is a misstep of David, a part of his leadership. The people wanted to stone David. David separated himself from the bitter people who was in anguish and he wouldn't allow them to stone him. He was like, y'all going through, I respect why you're in pain, but I cannot allow you all to end my life right now. It was almost like David said, I'm about to save myself from this grieving situation where people are not grieving with grace. And he pulls himself aside. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 30 that David encourages himself. 
in the Lord. He encourages himself. I can live through this. I know I made a mistake. I know the people are mad with me. I know I'm grieving loss. We've lost our loved ones, but my destiny is not over. Somebody put it in the timeline. Things have happened, but God is still with me. Put it in the timeline. Things have occurred. And I'm talking to somebody who had a misstep. You've lost things because of a misstep. You've lost things because of bad judgment. Things you have done. Things you should have done. You did not do. No, we rebuke condemnation because God has not given us the spirit of fear. Neither has he caused us to live in condemnation. God is still with you, even if you were in the wrong. God doesn't also save uh, save the victim, but the God we serve would deliver the perpetrator. I know, I know it. I know it. We like to preach a, a gospel that God only helps the victim. But you're not put you, preaching the full counsel of God. The full counsel of God will take a perpetrator, somebody who was wrong, somebody who caused other people to go through pain, and God will redeem them. God will lift them. God will lift them up. God will walk with them while they were wrong. And God will clean them up, repair them. Now, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Ain't no sense of acting like you ain't never done nothing wrong. David had a misstep. He was wrong in 1 Samuel 30. But God delivered him, encouraged him. And the, here it is. He grieved in his presence. The Bible says he went to Ab Abathar, the priest. He had a relationship with Abathar, the priest. That's a whole nother lesson. Relationship with Abathar, the priest. And he said, give me the ephod, which means, and I've taught this for those who are joining us. It means give me control right now. The ephod is a priestly garment that is a girdle. It's basically under your garment, but it's like a girdle. What does a girdle do? It keeps things all pulled in, all right? And it makes you look fit. It makes you keep your posture. It makes you be upright instead of slouched down. It picks you up. It makes things look well and fitted. So he says, give me the ephod, meaning I'm going through a tough time. I need something to hold me up. I need something to keep my posture right now. I feel like keeping my head down. I feel like going down in depression. I rebuke depression in the name of the Lord Jesus. He said, give me something to pull it together. And, and, and the ephod is like an old-fashioned, uh, uh, what's the thing that the women wear in the old times? They had like a lace and y'all put in the timeline, I'm trying to call something out. Y'all help me teach. And they had the laces and the strings and the women were wearing in the old times and you had pulled a string and you tighten that thing up and it would give them Women that glass curve, put it in the timeline. What that thing called that they would put? They wore it on the outside. Somebody put it. It's a, a corset. Thank you. It's a corset. Uh, a girdle going uh, on the inside. Girdle is when you it go under, and that's what that's what the um, uh, the ephod was like a girdle, but a corset. What the shape? It's like, and, but it has strings on it. That's what I want to. And you pull those strings and say, "I'm gonna get this thing in shape. We're gonna squeeze everything in." All right. And so the girdle represents a sense of structure while you're grieving. He went into the presence of God. David went into the presence of God. And while he was in the presence of God, God was giving him structure. God was putting him together. God was saying, you can make it through this. You will hear things in the presence of God that you can't hear nowhere else. You'll hear things in the face of God that you can't hear. No, somebody can testify tonight that they were grieving, but if they did not get into the presence of God, they don't know what would have happened. They don't know what, how they would have lost their mind, but be 
because they pressed into the presence of God, even while they were grieving. Come on, somebody, we grieve, but we grieve in the presence. We cry in the presence. We lean on his shoulder in the presence. David got in the presence of God and began to pray. And the Bible declares right there in 1 Samuel 30, what happened? God starts speaking to him. God basically said to him, your destiny is not over. He says, without fail, David asked the question, shall I pursue this company and, and, and will I win? He says, yes, pursue and without fail, you shall recover all. That was the word of the Lord. You only can hear those type of things. If you press in his presence, then you never know what is on the other side of a midst of something unexpectedly. I know this is a tough moment and I know we have to trust his sovereignty, but you never know the goodness of God that can come after pain. You never know the goodness of God that can come after a letdown. Who would think, oh y'all going, who would think that this God who allowed it to happen will be the same God to tell him you're going to get it back. You're going to get your children back. And not only are you going to get it back, you're going to get it back using the same army of people who wanted to kill you. I'm not going to give you no new army. I'm somebody I'm prophesying to. I'm not going to give you no new wife. I'm not going to give you no new husband. I'm going to fix what's broken. Somebody I'm prophesying to not. It's been a mess, but God said, I'm going to fix. I'm not going to give you a new one. I'm not, not, not a, and that new person. He going to be new. She going to be new, but I'm going to fix them. He didn't give them. He didn't give David a new arm, a new army as in people. He took the same people, refurbished their hearts. And that same army of people began to walk with David and recover all. Now, let me move. All right. Let me move. I got my final point. I want to end here. All right. We grieve differently. We grieve in his presence. And my last point that is really important is we grieve together. Put in the timeline. We grieve together. We grieve together. The Bible says that the strong are to bear the infirmities of the weak. That's why we grieve together, because everybody don't have the same strength. Everybody don't have the same level of understanding. But when we come together, that's how we're going to make it through this. Truth gatherers, I'm talking to you first. You're my first assignment in family. I know I'm telling you to share and there are other people in our city who needs to be encouraged, but they need to also talk to their family. We grieve together. Truth gathers, you hear me? We grieve together. I need your strength. You need my strength. We grieve together. That's how we make it through this. That's how we grieve together because there's a unity that happens that if we can stay together through this, you'll be surprised when things happen, how the enemy try to separate families. Confusion happens. I bind all confusion. I bind all chaos. You're already going through a situation. You don't need to be fighting one another. Come on. You don't need to be fighting against who gonna sing a song and who gonna do this. Work together. Give grace to one another. Love. Work with each other. Come on. We grieve together. That's, that's, the, that's the power of unity. And God God loves it when you're together. Even if you're weak, be weak together. Because when you're weak together, God will come in and make you strong. See, it ain't about having all the answers. It's about being together. It's not about understanding everything. It's about being together. It's not, come on now, can we bind together? Can we come together? If I need to cry on your shoulder, I want you to let me cry on your shoulder. If you need to cry on mine, you can cry on mine. We do this together. That's the difference about us and why the grace of God will come in the midst of us because we grieve together. It's in 1 Samuel 30 after they recovered all 
after God blessed them with strategy. I can't go through the whole story. But truth gathers, you know the story. Again, I'm talking to you truth gatherers. We've been through some shocking things and I can recount it. We've been through some shocking things. Come on. We've been through some shocking things in our church that has took our breath away, but God gave us our breath back. We've been through some things and God has been with us as a church family. Come on. We've been through some hardships and God has been with us through some of these things that we have been through as a church, but we do it together. We grieve together. First Samuel 30. God blessed them to miraculously get all their stuff back. But some of the people in the camp decided the people who were weak were no good. Come on, you know, the people who were weak, because there was four, there was 600 men in the camp and 200 of the 600 were tired. David used wisdom and left them by the brook of Besor. But 400 of them were ready to fight. Right. So we've talked about this, but that means be careful how you treat weak people. Put it in the timeline because somebody need to be warned. Sometimes we run over people when they're in their weakness. We treat people wrong when they don't understand and we disrespect God's people while they're in an off season, while they're in a get it together season. We run over them when they don't got all their thoughts together. We take advantage of people. I'm warning somebody tonight. Don't use your strength against somebody's weakness. The 400 people say we don't need them. We don't need them. You need, you did need them because they watched over whatever you have left. If you're not careful, you, the devil will take what you have left. So don't you disrespect the people who are weak. They can do, they can do smaller tasks in this season. I get y'all, y'all hearing me tonight. All right. This is the last point. We, we grieve together. And David heard the commotion that was going on in the camp and say, no, guys, we made a statute that day. They made a statute. That what whatever the strong get, the weak get, the weak get, and whatever we got, everybody get it. it they were saying, oh, they're not getting no spoil. They didn't go fight with us, so they didn't get nothing. No. And, and if God's blessed you to go win the war, you ought to thank God that God gave you strength. How about we flip it and that you was in a weak season? Which one you rather be in? A weak season or a strong season? You ought to thank God that God gave you the ability to go do it. No, they couldn't do it. No, they was on drugs. Yeah, they was weak. Yeah, they was confused. But if God gave you the ability to do it, you ought to thank God. You ought to not get arrogant that you were full of strength and you think you somebody. If it had not been the Lord. Come on. If the Lord had removed his hand, potentially you could have been in a situation. That's why we do this thing together. The only thing that keeps us from doing things together is pride and arrogance and arrogance. And people start walking in pride and start walking in arrogance and it keep us from being together. It's the last point. We're going to get through this together. I've seen God bring our church through. I've seen God bring families through and how he does it when we grieve together. We're going to cry together. I'm telling you, we're going to cry, but we're going to do it together. There's times we're going to need to ask questions, but we're going to do it together. Truth gathers. I'm telling you first, you're the first assignment I have before I have a, a greater call to the body of Christ. I want you to know truth gatherers, my beloved church that God called me to preach and other churches that God called me to start as an apostle. I want you to know that we're going to get this together. We're going to pray together. We're going to worship together. We're going to walk hand in hand. We're going to encourage the weak. We're going to thank God for the strong, but we're going to get through this together. Don't you value a family that don't quit when things go wrong? Don't you value a family who don't give up when things get rough? I don't know about you, but I'm going to declare that we have a family that when things get tough, we get tougher. When things get rough, we get rougher. We don't back away because God's our strength. We grieve together. 
We grieve together. Be my three points. We grieve differently. We grieve differently because we're believers. We grieve differently. We do grieve. We do cry. We do hurt, but we grieve differently. Number two, we grieve in his presence. That's where we grieve. We run to his presence. We decree and declare over Evangelist Akisha, over <clears throat> sometimes when I'm ministering, I have to call a name, I have to pause. Majesty, Sister Beulah, his mother, over Lourdes, the family, brothers and sisters, even those I don't know. We will grieve together. You all will grieve together. God's going to help you through it. We're going to help you through it. Church family, we're going to grieve together. City of Tallahassee, we're going to grieve together. All right, families who are going through love, loved ones, you got to declare to your family, we're going to grieve together. We're going to go through this together. We're not going to turn on each other. We're going to grieve together. That's how we're going to make it through this. We're going to grieve together. God's going to help us through this. Put it in the timeline. God's going to help us through this. That's how we're going to get through it. We're going to grieve together. We're not going to frustrate the grace of God. We're not going to go into arguing and fussing. We're going to have peace and God's going to help us and we're going to grieve together. So I know I'm using this scenario but this goes out to all families going through i know i'm using this moment but i must expand it for families i don't know who are going through families i don't have an idea about who are going through god wants you to know he's going to be with you through this god's going to help you through this god's not going to leave you or forsake you through this we're going to grieve together and it could be grieving not just the passing of a lost one, it could be grieving the loss of a job, the loss of an income, the loss of a status, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a marriage. It could be even the loss of a limb. It could be the loss of a limb. And you're grieving the loss of that. It could be the loss of status, the loss of friends. Loss happens in many forms. It can even feel like the loss of identity. God doesn't want you to know he's going to be with you. Come on, we're praying together. We grieve differently. We grieve in his presence. And we grieve together. But it's grieve with grace. God is with us. I'm speaking to many. And I know there's some people even in our church. Saints, let me tell you something. That's why we got to be careful. You don't know what people are living with. You don't know what people are smiling through. I said, you don't know what people are living with and smiling through. But I want you to know we're going to grieve together and we're going to support one another through this. We're going to be a definite support to this family. They have access to serve in several ways. In our church, I want you to know that there's specific things they have access to do. And I told them without a shadow of a doubt, we're going to do it. Even before asking you, and give you the opportunity to sign up for different things as it relates to the celebration service of the Prophet Kofi. Several churches are participating. Prophet Kofi had a very vast life, very stretched. You know, people in the body of Christ from several places. People from New York, his previous pastors, his apostle and apostle Dewan Rollins, Holmes Rollinson in Jacksonville. People all over the place. <clears throat> apostle Bishop Keith Williams, men and women of God. I mean, Prophet Morrison. I mean, just so many people we've named. and <clears throat> Pastor in Atlanta of church in Atlanta, he attended. I'm telling you, but we're going to come together to celebrate. So we have a road truth gathers. We'll be getting us ourselves connected because we're going to we're going to do this together. We're going to do our role. 
And as much as you can be there on April 1st, I want you to be there. As much as your schedule allows and as much as you're able to do so. All right? If you're able to come, come. If you're not able to come, we know you love them. We know your love is still as genuine as authentic as well. The Lord is going to be our help. So even though this is a rest night, my prayer is that for our church, you're going to rest better. Knowing that God is sovereign. Knowing that God will hide things from us. But we're going to believe God. Body of Christ, we're going to believe God. Again, I know I'm preaching in the moment, but I'm preaching for the future. That God's going to carry us through. Without a shot of a doubt, with all the Christ that's in me, I love you. With all the Christ that's in me, I thank God for you. And we're going to get through this together. God's going to be with us. And he's going to be the help that we need, even in a time of strength. Father, I even pray for families I don't know about. I pray that supernatural grace and strength will comfort that mother, that father, that sister, that brother, that cousin, that relative, that young child who lost the mother, that young child who lost the father. Father, only you are able to intervene in moments like this when we lose the words to articulate what we're going through. We believe that you're going to be the help. We believe that you're going to be the grace that will strengthen us through this journey. You will never leave and forsake us and we're holding on to your word. Our help comes from you tonight. This we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. If that blessed your soul, we will love for you at your next opportunity to join us in worship every Sunday morning in Monticello, the Victorious Church at 8 a.m. or our Dream Center location here in Tallahassee at 10 a.m. We would love to have you and your family and we can't wait for you to join us at any of our locations. This is Pastor Joseph Davis. God bless you and join us again.